Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, well, I want to say a really big welcome to Bright Church. We're so glad to have you with us. If you're joining us for the very first time online, you have joined on a great day. It is Easter weekend, and we are so glad that you've joined us to celebrate such a significant occasion. You are literally joining millions of people around the world as Christian people everywhere celebrate this day. On Friday, it was Jesus's death and everything looked bleak and it looked dark. And, and I can't imagine what the disciples would have been going through when this happened. And sometimes you just got to wait till Sunday. Sometimes you just got to wait to see what God does with your situation. Sometimes you just got to wait to see what He does with your circumstance. And we know this looking back that, of course, on Sunday, Jesus was resurrected and that deserves some praise right now. I don't know where you are today. Why don't you just give God a shout of praise right now? That is incredible news. And that's what the gospel is really all about. It's not just Jesus's birth and his death, but we celebrate the gospel because he was resurrected. And man, I love Resurrection Sunday. I love this whole weekend. And you know what? What better way to celebrate the Easter weekend than to eat chocolate? And I hope that today, that if you've got kids, I hope you got to sleep in. I, I'm telling you right now, I didn't. Um, I just know what this weekend is like. Kids know that there's going to be chocolate everywhere. It's just they're up crazy early. So, man, I, I hope that you guys got to sleep in and, and, and could relax. And I, I hope you eat lots of chocolate as well. You got to remember this. And I don't know if anybody understands this, but this is real. This is, this is biblical. This is truth, okay? You can eat as much chocolate as you want on this weekend and it will never go to your hips, butt or thighs. It's just, it's Bible, straight up Bible. And you know, the thing about this is like there are some benefits to ISO life as well, because if you overeat and you know, it does happen, like no one has to know about it for the next six months anyway. So don't even worry about it. You just sit back, relax. All your Zoom meetings are from here up. It's just how we're going to do it. So anyway, I hope that you're enjoying the weekend so far, but we have got such an incredible service here today because I really think that this is the greatest message that the world has ever heard. And to me, uh, Resurrection Sunday reminds me of a very important truth. And here's what it is. God can raise any situation from the dead. I don't know what situation you've got in your life right now that looks like it's too far gone. You think it's dead and you think it's over, but I want to tell you right now, God can raise any situation from the dead. Now, so often we think it's the end of the road when really it's just the bend in the road. So what we got to do is we got to keep going because if you stop short because you think you see the end, you might not understand that what God wants to do is just bring a fresh season into your life. He might want to do something new in your life. So you just can't stop where you are. Man, today we celebrate. We celebrate Easter because we know the end of the story. I mean, we know what happened. I feel kind of sorry for Jesus's disciples because when they were going through this weekend, man, they had no idea. The truth is the disciples were totally crushed as they watched their Savior be nailed to the cross. You, you, you got to understand this. These guys have, you know, lived with Jesus for three years. Peter himself even says it. He says, I, I say that you're the Christ. And when he said he was the Christ, he was saying, Jesus, we believe 
that you're the Messiah. You know, you are the Holy One of Israel. You have come to make a difference. And I guess in their mind, they kind of had a prediction about how God was going to work. I don't know if you ever do that. Like you just predict how you think God is going to work. You think He's going to work one way when really what He's trying to do is another. And so this is what Peter did. And so he said, you're the Christ. We have an idea about it. But now they're watching their Savior be nailed to the cross and they would have been totally disillusioned. So they go home Friday night and they wake up the next day, still reeling from the events of yesterday, still wondering if what they saw really happened. I mean, they thought it was going to end differently. And so it's, you know, it's Saturday. It was the Sabbath. You know, on the Sabbath, they had nothing to do, nowhere to be, nowhere to go. You weren't supposed to do anything. In fact, it was meant to be a day, a total rest. And here they are, resting, just sitting on Saturday, just thinking about everything that just happened. This is such a good time to think about this message because you've got a lot of downtime these days with the world that we're living in at the moment. And, and when you're isolated and you're just sitting and you're thinking, I tell you, I, I reckon your mind can do crazy things. You can start to think all kinds of thoughts. And I reckon that they started to think all kinds of things as they tried to understand what exactly what had just happened. I don't know if you've ever had circumstances that where your experience is, you, you've just been crushed by the reality of your experience. I don't know if you've ever really experienced that. Like, for example, if you thought that you were helping your family by buying toilet paper online and you thought that you were doing a good thing and then you got the bill and you realized you didn't just pay $50 for the toilet paper, but you paid $25 to ship that thing to your house and you just totally crush, right? Okay, so this is what we call projecting, all right? So this, all right, so that's my experience. I don't know what experience you've had. There are so many more serious experiences than that. You know, like maybe for you, 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 you thought your marriage was gonna be one way. And so you got married and you had hopes and dreams. You had a, a, a picture of how things were gonna look. And then you realized that it wasn't what you thought it was gonna be. And so maybe for some people, it's just their marriage that's not working out. You know, for other people, it's a completely different thing altogether. For other people, they've lost their jobs and they don't know how they're going to handle it. They don't know how they're going to feed their family. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. For some people, their kids have just walked away from church and they don't even know how their kids are going to come back to have a relationship with God. Or maybe, you know, you don't even have a good relationship with your kids. I mean, there are so many circumstances that people could be facing right now where they're just crushed by the reality of their experience. You think about the world that we're living in right now. I mean, people have all kinds of health conditions and people are going to go through stuff in the season that we're in. And they're going to be crushed by the reality of their experience because it doesn't line up with where they thought things were going to go. I, I look at this story, the story of Jesus coming, and I, I wonder what Peter thought. I mean, surely when Peter thought this, he must have thought this is the end. This is the end of it. It's Saturday, he's sitting back and he's thinking about the whole experience and he must have said, this is the end. This is the end of the hopes. We really, we really saw this going another way, but it's not. This is the end. I reckon Peter thought that because 
every miracle that he'd ever seen Jesus do, Jesus was alive for. In every miracle that Jesus ever did, he was alive when he performed it. But this, this is something new. I mean, the one that did the miracles is now the one who's died. They're dead. Peter's trying to understand it. Can I, can I tell you something very important today? Never reduce the capacity of Jesus to the level of your experience. You never want to take what Jesus has done and box him in and think, hey, this is the only way that Jesus can work. This is the only way that he can do it. This is what he's always done. I guess this is the way that he'll behave again. Because if you do that, you simply box him in. You're reducing Jesus to the level of your experience. You'll read this story. And as everybody knows, Jesus was dead for three days. Now, that's not a mistake. That was on purpose. See, I don't know if you understand anything about Jewish culture, but they never really considered anybody dead unless they were dead for three days. In fact, in their own records and history, there were times where they would go out to fields and they would find people that they thought were dead for three days. And then they discovered that, oh, in fact, no, they're alive. I don't know who's doing the autopsy. They're obviously not very good at it, but they discovered that people were still alive after three days. So they said, hey, we're going to create a new rule. How about this? No one No one is really considered dead until they've been dead for three days. But once you cross that three-day barrier, which by the way, wasn't a precise 72 hours, but they said, once you cross that barrier, we are absolutely certain that you're gone, that you're dead, that it's over. And I'm pretty sure that Peter thought that Jesus was dead. The reason I'm pretty sure that Peter thought that is because he wasn't eagerly awaiting the grave. He wasn't hanging out by the tomb. He wasn't excited. He wasn't happy. He wasn't waiting for his Savior to arrive. He was expecting that his Savior was really gone. Man, I wonder what new thing God wants to do in your life, but you won't let Him because you're still busy trying to look at what God used to do in your life. I wonder what new season He wants to bring into your life, but you're so focused on how He's worked in the past that you haven't even given consideration to what He might be doing in your present or maybe what He'll do in your future. You know, I think that some people have been so crushed by reality, it's hard to imagine, honestly, hard to imagine that God could ever really raise up your marriage, that God could ever really find you a new job because you've been searching for a while, that God could ever really bring your kids back into a relationship with you, maybe back into a relationship with Him. Sometimes it's hard for people to imagine when they've gone through a health struggle, or maybe you're going through one today that God could even fix that situation, but you need to understand something. Every time something looks like it's dead in your life, you've got to remember that God has the power to raise it up. Every time something looks dead in your life, you've got to know, that He has the power to raise it up. And you got to know that because to be honest, sometimes your circumstances, your mind, the enemy of your soul, maybe even the people that you surround yourself with, they'll try to talk you out of what God can do. They say, oh, God can't do the impossible. Oh, let me explain something to you. 
God works in the realm of the impossible. That's where he lives. He does his best work in the realm of impossibility. That's what he does. But Peter didn't know that yet. So here's Peter. He's all huddled up with the disciples. They're trying to figure out exactly what happened. I wanna read to you the account of what happened. I'm gonna read to you out of John chapter 20. In verse one, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, who was the woman that everyone looked at in her day and the religious leaders said that she is an adulterer and they tried to publicly humiliate her, except Jesus stepped into the gap. Man, you gotta know this. Jesus will step into the gap for you. He is not looking for you to be full of shame and full of guilt. In fact, everything that Jesus wants to do, everything that Easter is all about is to make sure that people don't have to carry the weight of their sin. And so here's Mary, a person whose life has been totally transformed by God. It says that when she came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to get Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. It is funny because... The guy that wrote this is the one who Jesus loved. So I don't know why he feels the need to tell us that, but he just wanted everyone to know that Jesus loved him. And so he says this, he says, the one whom Jesus loved. And he said to them, or she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. Now that is not exactly an admission of his resurrection. They're not exactly saying, oh, it's happened. Like, and, and met with great joy and happiness and excitement. No, that's not what she's doing. She's like, they stole his body, it's gone, you know? And Peter, he didn't have the faith for it either. Because otherwise he would have just looked at Mary and said, hey, Mary, don't you remember what he said? You remember that he was gonna resurrect? Remember the, the, the whole thing about about, he'll pull down the temple and he's going to rebuild it in three days. Oh, Mary, he's the temple. No, Peter didn't understand anything about that. And so he thinks, oh my gosh, they have stolen his body. So it goes on to say uh, in verse three, so Peter went out with the other disciple and they were both going towards the tomb. Now, both of them were running together. And I don't know why this next detail is important either, but it says the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Oh my gosh, this is not the time for competitions, people. But he just wanted everyone to know for all time and history, it's locked away in the Gospels that he was a faster runner than Peter. Anyway, not important. But he says in verse five, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and he went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple would reach the tomb first, also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand that the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. When you predict the way that you think God will work, you can just miss the moment. You think he's gonna act in a certain way. So that's all you look for. And if every time you imagine that God will only work in a very specific way in your life, if that's all you're looking for, you could miss all the things that he's doing around it. This, this is so important. I feel like for some people that prayed and they say things like, God, I know that you're real when you heal me, 
Or, or God, I'll know that you're real when you give me a new job. When you help me out of my financial situation, when you help me out of my circumstance that I'm stuck in. God, I'll know that you're real when you really do what I say. And then you got to understand this thing about God is that I don't know if it comes as a surprise to you, but He doesn't actually work for you. So it's not how these things work. So God doesn't always do what you say. Now, the worst thing that you could do is take that as affirmation that He is not real or that He doesn't care about you or He doesn't really pay attention to your life or that He doesn't know what's going on. That's not what happens when God doesn't answer your prayers. What's really happened there is that you've boxed Him in. And you say, God, I'll only believe that you're real if you move the way that I tell you to. Hey, can I tell you that faith isn't God following you. It's you following Him. And if the only time that you believe God is real is when He does what you tell Him to do, I tell you, you've missed the entire point of relationship with Jesus in the first place. I mean, there have just been so many times in history when people missed what Jesus was really doing. But I feel like when He was alive, there were times that He gave us clues. Like there were moments that He said, hey, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of an insight here so you know exactly what I'm capable of. And there's this incredible story about a man that was raised from the dead. His name was Lazarus. I think everybody knows that. Even people that don't go to church know Lazarus, this guy that was raised from the dead. Well, I wanna read you the story so you can understand what was really happening there. In John chapter 11 and verse one, it says this, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was, Ma it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love, everyone just thinks that Jesus loves them. Maybe he was just really good at doing that. The one who you love, which is a different guy, but it's Lazarus. But he says, hey, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Now I feel like that was pretty definitive. Like when Jesus said, hey, well, I'm just letting you know, this illness doesn't lead to death. That's all right. This thing is not really gonna kill him. And I guess that he had a word from God about that. Maybe he's the one that gave himself the word. I mean, gosh, he was God, but he just knew what was gonna happen in the situation. Well, I reckon around about that time, everyone was like a little bit more relaxed. They're like, oh, it's not gonna lead to death. It's gonna be okay. But it goes on to say, Jesus says, it doesn't lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? This doesn't make sense. The one whom he loved, he found out that he was ill. And it's not like it was close. So the thing that he does is he hangs out for a little bit longer where he is. You would think that when you found out that someone was ill, that the thing that you would do is go straight to them. You just wanna make sure that they're okay, be by their bedside, encouraging them, praying for them. Nah, not Jesus. He says, oh, is the situation serious? Yeah, it's serious. Okay, great. Well, I'll hang out here for another two days. Then after that, Lazarus dies. That's kind of odd because Jesus was pretty sure that the situation wouldn't lead to death. So then Martha comes and she says to Jesus in 
John chapter 11 and verse 21. And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had have been here, my brother would not have died. I don't know how many people feel like that could be true for them. I mean, God, if you were just here, if you had have just showed up, this situation didn't have to go this way. You, you must not be here. Because I feel like if you were here, then my life wouldn't be the way that it is. She says, Jesus, if you were actually here, he wouldn't have died. But then she says, and this is a great faith statement. She says, but I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now he's just telling her something in the natural. And what she's about to do is reduce Jesus' capacity to the level of her experience. Now she's never seen anything like this. So she says, well, that can't be what Jesus means because she thinks that she's found something that Jesus can't do. So she wants to reduce it. She says, oh, okay, let me, let me spiritualize it then. Martha said to him, oh, I know that he'll rise on the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said, hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. I'm going to jump over to verse 38. Jesus, having now gone to where Lazarus was buried, sees the tomb. And the thing is, Jesus knows what he's about to do. He knows that he's about to raise him from the dead. And despite that, it still says that he weeps. It's like the shortest verse in all the scripture. John chapter 11, verse 35, two words, Jesus wept because when things like this happen, it's sad, even though he knows what he's gonna do. And so it picks it up in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Now, Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days, four days. Not three days, but four. I mean, he's well and truly dead. Like this is, a, this is one of those impossible situations. It's not like we caught him in the first couple of days where it was possible. This is the fourth day, as if Jesus needs the details. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed that you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me because I think he was already praying about the situation. He said, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth or with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Man, we're, we're pretty concerned with social distancing at the moment. The guy just came out of a tomb. You would want to give this guy some room. Four days he has been dead. Four days. At this point, his body was starting to decay. 
Man, four days. I don't think that Jesus waited an extra two days just because he felt like sitting back and relaxing where he was. I feel like there were moments like this where he was trying to teach his disciples, hey, I just want you to know that when the situation is as bleak as it can get, when it looks like there is no hope, there is nothing that anyone can do about it, I just want you to know that even after four days, I can still raise the dead. Why? If, I don't know if you get this yet. I don't know if you understand this yet, but He is the Alpha and the Omega. That actually means that He is the beginning and the end. He controls the beginning and He controls the end and He controls what's in the middle. He's writing the whole story because He controls the narrative and the middle is where you find yourself. That's what you are today. You're not at the end. And you know, you passed the beginning. Right now, you're just somewhere in the middle. I think Jesus, He gives Lazarus a word before He dies. When I say a word, I mean like a prophetic word. He says, oh, this thing that's happening right now, this is not gonna lead to death. I feel like if you have a word that's been spoken over your life and it hasn't come to pass yet, you have every reason to begin to confess that word over your life. You gotta know there's another season coming. Of course, there's another season coming because all the words that have been spoken over your life, those things haven't come to pass yet. So maybe you've got a word that hasn't come to pass. Even right now where you are, just begin to confess it. Just begin to speak it out over your life right now and say, hey, I know that there is another season coming for me. This situation, it's not the end. It's not the end. Maybe you don't have a word and you're like, I don't know, no one's ever given it to me. Sometimes you gotta get into the right space. You gotta get around the right people. When I was, when I was young, I, I went to church. I've told this story so many times and I'm not gonna tell the whole story again. But when I was young, when I was about eight, nine years old, I remember people said things like, hey man, when that guy grows up, he's gonna be a pastor. When he grows up, he's gonna lead a church. Prophetic words that were spoken over me. And then I had this period of my life that I'd like to forget from about age 10 all the way through to age 21. I just didn't go to church. I had no relationship with God, but 21 years old. And I came back into having a relationship with Him. I was just starting to go back to church. While I was starting to go back to church, I, I decided to take a holiday. So a friend of mine and uh, we decided that we were gonna go over to work in the ski fields over in the United States. So we, we booked the whole thing and got our visas and went over to America and we were working at the ski fields there. And so when I first got there, when I saw the snow, oh man, it was so exciting, but that meant that I had to work hard. So the more snow I saw, the less excited I was about it. But anyway, I woke up one morning and there was so much snow. I thought, man, there's no way we're even gonna get to work today. We got picked up at about six in the morning. I said to my friend Mark that I was staying with at the time, I said, hey, I reckon we got a day off. There's no way we can make it through this. And next minute I hear a beep at the door and someone's pulled up and to pick us up and take us to work. I thought, my gosh, we're not gonna get through this. So I opened the door to the van that was taking us up the mountain. I said, hey, what are you thinking? Like, we're not gonna make it. The guy that's driving the van, he says, oh no, I know another way. 
I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to take the main roads. I've got a back way and I'm pretty sure that we can get there. I was like, all right, if you think so. So here I am piling in the car with a bunch of other internationals and we're all getting ready to go up to the ski fields. And as we're going, we've got this route that's that's kind of windy with a thin road. And, and I, I gotta be honest, I can say this now, I already didn't trust the guy that was driving just cause I knew who he was. So I didn't trust him already, but here we are, we're, we're in the car and we're starting to go around some pretty windy roads. And I know I said, oh, you know, it's, you know, the bend in the road is not the end, but I, look, I tell you the truth. I thought this could be the end because the roads were so slippery and here we are driving and some of us started to say to the driver, hey man, you gotta slow down. Like if you don't slow down, we're gonna have a serious accident. And so anyway, sure enough, it, it, it sort of nearly happens. And we go around a corner taking the inside edge and another person goes the same way and we have to stop the cars because we're both stuck. So the driver of the car, he says, it's okay, I know what to do. He says, everybody get back in the car and I'm gonna reverse back down the road. And I'm like, hang on, wait a minute. You saying to me that your answer to get us out of this situation is you're gonna reverse back down the windy road in the snow and the ice that we just took to get here. He's like, I can do this. I don't know why we believed him, but we said, okay. So he starts reversing. Immediately, I knew there's a problem. All of us are looking at each other. We're thinking, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen next? Well, we we tell him you got to put the brakes on and he puts the brakes on I tell you right now we did not slow down one bit we just continued to coast at the same speed the wheels are locked up we're moving towards the edge the bend in the road really is about to be the end of all of us and there's a this is ice uh, wall that's been built up, you know, as the snowplow has gone through. It's at the edge of the road. We punch straight through it. The back half of the van goes straight off the edge and below us is like a cliff. Man, we're freaking out. We're so worried. No situation has probably ever brought me this close to Jesus in my life. Man, did I cultivate a prayer life in that car that day. But here's the thing, like we went over the edge and nobody moved. And they're like, you gotta slowly get to the front. So we start slowly moving towards the front and in the middle, this is what I'm thinking. This can't be it for me. I can't die here. I've got too much to do. And by the way, I've got some words that are yet to be fulfilled in my life. God gave me a word past the season I'm presently in. And if God gave me a word past this season, that means that it doesn't end here, that there must be something on the other side of this. And so I say to you, hey, if you've got a word that's on the other side of the season that you're in right now, why don't you just begin to confess it? Just tell, tell everyone and say, no, God's given me a word about this. I make it through this situation. I'm moving through to the other side. I'm not done yet. Man, I don't know if you're getting this yet. I don't know if you understand this, but this is the one who raises the dead. This is Jesus Christ. I mean, if God can raise up Jesus, if God could raise up Lazarus, if God could raise up a little girl that everyone thought was dead. So many accounts of this, I tell you the truth. He can raise you up and He can raise up your situation. God can raise up your circumstance today. And so maybe for you, you thought, oh, that's it. I think the marriage really is over. Come on, don't believe that for a minute. 
You see two people that give their hearts and their lives to God. I tell you, He can raise up that marriage. He can bring those kids home. He can find you a job. He can heal the health situation that you're facing right now. All you gotta do is start to turn to Him. Start to confess Him. Start to confess who He is. Start to say, man, it's not over. Because He's the Alpha. He's the beginning. He's the Omega. He's the end. He controls the start and He controls the end. And He's over all the details that are in the middle. He is the author of life. You know what? I'll tell you something that I think is really strange. When you read what Hebrew people write or when you read how the Hebrews wrote, they don't write like we write. You can see this, just read Genesis chapter 1, 2 and 3 and you're going to get this. But when the Hebrews write, they don't write beginning, middle and end. I mean, that makes sense to me. That's, that's how I understand it. But I've got a Greco-Roman mind. I mean, that's how I think. Beginning, middle, end. That's not how they do it. No, see, when Hebrew people wrote, they would write beginning, middle, beginning. I'm like, where's the end? Isn't that cool? Beginning, middle, be, beginning, middle, end. There's no end. It just goes back to the beginning again. See, when I, when I read the way that God works, I don't read a whole heap of ends. I just see constantly just new beginnings, just new beginnings. And if, if you are watching this today and you're not a Christian, I wanna tell you something today that's so important. And God loves you so much. Someone is watching this right now. And you know you need a fresh start. You look back over your lives and you see the mistakes that you've made. You need a fresh start. You need a new beginning. This is Easter. This is what it's all about. Jesus came to bring life, to bring it abundantly, to give people who had no hope, every reason to hope, because it's not on us. It's all on Him. It's about what He wants to do with you. It's about the story that He wants to write with your life. That's what the Gospel's all about. Man, let me ask you a question. I wonder what God is still wanting to write in your life. I wonder what He's wanting to do. What's the next season hold? Right now, we're just in a crazy situation where people are struggling to see past the season. Come on, there's gonna be a new beginning. There's gonna be a fresh start. There's gonna be another season. It doesn't end here for you. I, I just believe that. Peter didn't know. He didn't know what God was wanting to write in the next season of Jesus's life. He didn't know what He was wanting to write in Peter's life. So here he is, worried anxious, full of fear about what could happen tomorrow. Man, here's something you need to do today. Just take every anxious thought, every worry, every concern, every circumstance that's beyond your ability to control. Take every single thing that makes you wake up in the middle of the night, that means that you can't sleep, that's making you stress out throughout the day. Take every single situation and just give it to God. Just put it in His hands. 
because here's the truth. There's not a lot in life that you can really control, but if you know the one who does, you can gain access to Him. Because apart from Him, you can do nothing. See, in your hands it might look dead, but in His, it comes to life. I wonder what situation in your world right now needs to come to life. So here's Peter. And he doesn't know what's going to happen. So he's looking. And he's come to the tomb. And he's searching. But he hasn't seen it yet. And he doesn't really get it until the moment he sees Jesus. <laughs> See, sometimes you don't really know what God is doing till he's done. And so right now, there's all kinds of things happening in our world. There's all kinds of things happening in our life. We don't really know what Jesus is doing until he's done. So you've got to stop holding what he can heal. Stop trying to control all of the circumstances and begin to hand them over to God. Just hand it over to Him right now. I wonder what situation you need to place in the hands of God today. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for every single person that's listening to this message right now. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter when you watch this. I believe that God is with you in this moment right now. He knows what you're going through. He knows every circumstance that you're facing. He's not asleep. He hasn't forgotten. He's with you. His name is Emmanuel. That means God with us. I promise you this. God is with you in the current season that you're facing. But here's what I want to pray for you. Everything that you're concerned about right now and every worry that you have that you need to hand over to Jesus. That's what we're going to do. Hey, all weekend, we're just going to give to God the things that we can't control. So I want you to do this right now. There's something that's worrying you. I want you to take that thing right now. I'm going to pray and I would encourage you to pray with me as I pray this. You just want to join in. Just, just agree. Just say amen as I'm praying this because if you agree with this, what I really believe is God is going to take what is giving you trouble right now. He's going to start to lift it off. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for every person that's watching this right now. And I pray in Jesus' name that every worry, every concern, Lord, we don't want to hold it anymore. So I... I pray that right now, as people begin to hand over their concerns, as they begin to hand over their worries, Lord, there really are people that were thinking that their marriage was over. No, it's not handed to Jesus right now. Lord, there are people right now that are so concerned about their children that are far from you. Hand them over to Jesus right now. Father, I pray for people that are so worried because they've lost jobs and they don't know how they're going to put food on the table. I pray that they hand this situation over to you right now. Lord, for people that are going through uh, health issues and concerns, I pray that they hand it over to you right now. And I pray, God, that as we hand it over, that you, the author of life, who is in charge from the beginning through the middle and to the end that God would you begin to restore things I'm praying it right now I'm praying that God begins to restore things in your life that he begins to restore things that look dead to you some for some of you things have looked dead for so many years you thought this is impossible I tell you God does his best work in the impossible so God I pray bring it back to life there are people right now that are hearing this and I just believe that He is even bringing the hope and dreams of ministry 
that is in your heart that you thought, no, that season is over. I won't do ministry. It can't happen. Father, I pray, bring it back to life right now. And every word that you've ever been given, just begin to confess it over your future right now. Now I pray, God, as we do this, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, let it guide our hearts and minds. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.